All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. in my office and I heard a ruckus. Describe the ruckus, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? I'm in my prime. Bitches, DJ Nubis with you on the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast with another episode of the Hordes of Chaos. Got some good stuff lined up for you today. Uh, a lot of it coming from some of the uh, promotional sites and labels that I work with. Curtain Call, Grand Sounds, Horror Pain, Gore Death, Inverse, Metal Coffee, Quabar, Extreme Music PR, and much, much more. I uh, also got some just new stuff thrown in there as well, and some old stuff is coming at you as well as that. Uh, a few topics to get to today. I may have uh, DJ Neko calling in from her travels. I'll have to see how that goes. She's out off the shores of Hong Kong right now, so depending on whether or not she can get free uh, to call in, I'll see if she can help me talk about some of the stuff I want to talk about today, but... Gonna kick it off with some Arsa. Good stuff from this band. Drug Heda. I don't know if I even pronounce that right, but it's fucking awesome. Check it out. I'll be back in a little bit.
listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, DJ New is back with you on the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Still trying to work on getting DJ Necro to call in, so we'll see how this goes. I'm going to go ahead and try to... Play a couple more tracks before I start talking about some topics, so we'll see if we can get her in here in the next couple minutes. So, meanwhile, we're gonna continue on. Uh, I got some band called Depressed. I believe this is from Kabar Stream uh, Metal PR. I believe this is one of their tracks they sent me out. Uh, very cool band, good stuff. 
Check it out, it's called Beyond the Putrid Fiction. Yeah.
DJ Nellis, back with your Mail Time Radio Podcast, a new edition of the Hordes of Chaos. Calling in off the shores of Hong Kong, our beloved DJ Neko. Say hello, honey. Hi. How is everybody? I'm sure they're well. <laughs> there is a bit of a delay because of where she is, so we apologize for that. But uh, it's pretty cool that she's calling in while out there in the water, so. I want a phone. Yeah, she's on a satellite phone, so it's it's, it's really bad. But <laughs> So we did want to talk about a couple but of things. I... Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, but I did want to call in just to kind of say hi to everybody and talk a little bit about the thing as you were getting ready to say. Yeah, so, you know, obviously recently I saw an article from John Carpenter and it was about how his movie The Thing in 1982 didn't really uh, catch fire initially. Sort of like Halloween, like both movies seem to have kind of bombed critically when they first came out, but... After a while, uh, well, Halloween started catching ground while it was still in the theaters, but the thing didn't really catch a lot of ground until after its release and gone to D, uh, VHS back then. But uh, it's become more of a classic afterwards and a cult thing. And, you know, it's just kind of funny that back then people didn't really get, like, the whole gore and what how dark the movie really is. Because, like, when you really think about the thing, you think about... Uh, Kurt Russell's character and just how bleak it is throughout the whole thing because it made a good point about how these guys are all on this facility out in the middle of the cold Antarctic and like there's really nowhere to run like you know you got this alien out there that's true yeah I mean there's just nowhere to go what are your thoughts on it now wasn't wasn't the thing a book before they made it a movie? That I'm not sure. Uh, it, it was obviously uh, a remake off of the original. I'm sorry, there was an announcement. <laughs> yeah, that's alright. Uh, so, yeah. the thing like when you initially watch that film uh you know you got this dog that's being chased down you don't really necessarily know that it's actually infected so like by the time it gets into the pen and you have that scene going on like you, you know you're like oh shit it's crazy and then of course 
you know, they're doing blood tests later on and they're thinking one person's the guy that's infected and when in reality it's somebody else. That's how clever it was. Um, it, it's just it wild. Yeah. So you're always on your toes with that film. That, that that's and I think that's you know, even then special effects was just amazing. What year I didn't quite hear you earlier. It came out in eighty two or eighty, right? Nineteen eighty two. Yeah. So you gotta think about what was available back then. A lot of the special effects were like real effects. You had to create the special effects. If you had an explosion, you had to create an explosion. If you had a monster, if you had a transformation, you had to do it. It wasn't like now where you can like CGI an explosion or CGI a monster. So what they did was almost like artistic. It's great, like all the changing and, you know, they created monsters out of, you know, I don't want to say animatronics, but you know what I mean. Like, they were able to take and create a monster without, like, digitally uh, altering it. Yeah, I was reading about that article on, like, the special effects guys. They were saying that they purposely used the shadows in the movie to help kind of cloak the sort of, like, rubber fakeness to the the props and all that so like in order to make it more believable they use shadows which worked very well because you never got to see the monster just like in the daylight or anything it was always like hiding in the shadows or coming out of the shadows in some way so it was really well done and how they utilized all that and that builds on the suspense it was kind of like jobs couldn't get the shark to work so they never really showed the shark exactly Exactly. And it made it scarier. Alright, so the other thing I wanted to talk about was the Grammy nominations for the metal category. And the nominations this year are Death Angel, Candlemass, I Prevail, Kill Switch Engage, and Tool. So I wanted to get your thoughts on how you felt, because I think this is the first time I've actually seen bands like Death Angel and Candlemass in there. I think you're right because remember you know how much of a ghost fan I am and we were trying to watch the Grammys and they didn't even televise that award we had to go on the internet while they were streaming it so we could watch ghost accept the award that they won so I I really do like that as we're seeing the um the metal genre like get broadened and and get more I guess recognition you're starting to see bands that are maybe not, like, on everybody's radar. Like, I don't think a lot of people know, you know, just the same with Ghost at the time. It was, they were still kind of up and coming. And then, like, a year later, they were selling seats at the Hippodrome for $200 a piece. So, it's kind of to see, like, Death Angel. I mean, I don't know who is going to win, but it's also weird because Tool feels like it doesn't belong there. I, I personally think. Well, that's the funny thing I, is that. Agree. Yeah, Tool. Tool is more of a rock band. Right, and like, and it's funny because they're in the metal category, which I fully expect them to win. Like, I don't think Death Angel or Candlemass is really going to win out of that group. Be nice, but uh, I think it's more just kind of pandering at this point. I think they said, okay, we're going to choose Tool to win, but you know, we're just going to throw in these other names, make it look special, which you know, it really is not, but. Just kind of funny. But you know, 
other artists like I don't know Madonna or Kelly Clarkson or Beyonce. Yes, they've all won Grammys, but another artist just because they're not metal, it's not any saying you're a Grammy nominated artist, even though you may not be a Grammy winner. So if if Candle Mass wants to say Grammy nominated album of the year for metal, they can put that on their resume now and it's it's good. You know, it's it's nice that they're getting recognition. Because there's only a small handful. You see how many is it that they have? Five or six? There's only a small handful that were nominated. So being nominated is a big honor. It is. Um, and hopefully going forward they take it a little more seriously. I mean, just in the past, you know, you've had bands that are included into that metal category that really don't belong there. But uh, that's just kind of the way it is when it's the mainstream stuff, so... And I often wonder, like, I, I don't know enough about this, but who is doing the nominations and who is voting? So, I mean, these could be people who don't know anything about jazz either or know anything about hip-hop. And there are, sometimes it's, it's all a popularity thing. Like, in their, I don't know if they have, like, a certain formula they follow to nominate people or if it's just kind of a popularity vote and I, I'm not versed enough on that to know where where you get that information. Yeah, I think it's pretty much popularity, but I don't know if they're you know, when you see bands like Death Angel and Canamass, you know, that that's starting to dive into the underground a little bit, which is nice, but how they're coming up with that I'm not really sure. That's the thing. I mean, I'd like to see obituaries, cannibal course, myself. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll be seeing that anytime soon, but uh, it'd be nice. All right, uh, we're going to get back to some music, and then I'm going to let DJ Neko get on her way. Uh, thank you for calling in, obviously, appreciate it. So I kick off this next block of with course. some classic Falkenbach, Beloved Feral Winter.
DJ Nubus, back with you on Meltdown Radio Podcast. All right, so it was kind of cool to hear DJ Neko call in, was it not? Always glad to hear from her. I do miss her a lot. But she's out doing her thing. She'll be out till mid-January. Might change a little bit. I don't know. She said they might be doing another repair, so who knows. Uh, okay, so another topic I wanted to get to uh, regarding this is in the movie industry. Uh, recently, uh, another reboot of Charlie's Angels came out, uh, directed by um, Elizabeth Banks, who I've enjoyed in movies such as Zack and Mary Make a Porn and just some of the other stuff she's been in. But uh, apparently, Charlie's Angels is bombed at the box office and. You know, I guess she's kind of butthurt about it. And her lashing out, I guess, uh, has a little bit to do with, you know, busting on men for some reason who aren't going out and seeing the movie. Now, let's clear the air on this, okay? When Drew Barrymore and Lucy Liu and all them did uh, Charlie's Angels back in the early 2000s, <coughs> I actually went to see the first one. And I thought it was okay. I mean, I'm not, you know, it wasn't really that crazy. I do like Lucy Liu a lot. Uh, and Cameron Diaz is pretty good. But, you know, the thing is, like, one of Elizabeth Banks' complaints is that men don't like action films with women leads. And that's simply not true. And I just, I, I get tired of hearing women, uh, feminist women, trying to push that agenda. Like, that's an actual thing. It's not... Men like action films, this is true. Uh, but men like action films that are actually fucking good, okay? You, you can't just say, oh, I'm a director, uh, I'm gonna make this movie, that means it's fucking gold. No, you have to actually be good at it. And, you know, I don't care what she says. And I haven't seen this movie, so I, I can't really make that statement whether it's good or bad. I'm just saying that. If you're going to make a movie, don't expect that you're just going to shit out gold. It, it doesn't happen like that. Even for male directors, it doesn't always turn out great. And as an action fan movie myself, uh, whether it's martial arts or, you know, old school stuff like, you know, Arnie Schwarzenegger films, uh, Sylvester Stallone films, whatever. If you make a decent movie, guys are going to like it. I don't care who you are. Uh, go back to fucking, like, you know, as far as, like, female leads, I mean, Ripley and Alien and the Alien series, men love those films, okay? Uh, Celine, uh, the vampire hunter, or the werewolf hunter in the Underworld series, very strong character, very good, I love the fuck out of those movies. It, it just, I can go on and on with female leads that do uh, get attention. We haven't, and we haven't even touched on Marvel stuff. Captain Marvel, fucking Black Widow. I mean, it's all over the place. Like, I, do, I don't really understand her gripe. Like, people are not going to go and shovel out money for a film that they think is going to be shit. And here's the thing. It was talked about early on about the script... And about how uh, actresses like Jennifer Lawrence, Margot Robbie, um, and I forgot who the third one was that was mentioned, but the thing is, like, if you had uh, actresses like that in there, it makes the movie already more interesting because you know those actresses are solid fucking actresses. Now, what's happened with this version of Charlie's Angels, 
the most known actress that we have in here is Kirsten Stewart, and I and frankly, I've, I've she's hit or miss with me on different things, but compared to the other girls I just mentioned or actresses I just mentioned, she's pretty fucking bland. Okay, uh, the other two actresses are not even known. Like, and that, and it's fine if you want to, you know, boost careers of girls who you feel like deserve it, but. Don't come back and bitch about people not going to see the movie when there's nothing they can identify with. There's, there's no actresses they even are aware of or you think are good. They're not going to go out there. If Kirsten Stewart is your best bet to draw, you failed already, okay? So, it just it, it, it's so retarded for me. And, and it's like Banks isn't stupid. She's a smart chick. Like, I just don't... And she's a great actress. So I don't get why... She went to this level to try and excuse why her movie's bombing. Like, it just makes no sense. Like, for one, someone else mentioned it. Nobody was really looking for a reboot of Charles Anderson. Nobody. So if you're going to do an action movie with women being your, your stars, then get more creative. Find something a little more original in that aspect instead of, like, trying to rehash old shit that no one really cares about. I grew up on the TV series, and I liked the TV series. And, of course, Banks wanted to get away from the whole, like, sexuality part of it in terms of, you know, the eye candy part. But that's why guys like shit like this. See, you don't really understand your fucking viewing base to begin with. You can have an actress who is a badass, say, like Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow, and still look fucking hot as fuck in it, okay? So that's the whole point. Uh, we're not going to pay money, sorry to say, it's just a reality of life. I'm not going to pay money to go see three fat chicks play Charlie's Anderson because you want to avoid the sexuality part of it, okay? No one's going to pay for that. They're not. So at some level, if you're going to draw the male species into it, you're going to have to make it doll it up, whatever, to make it look legit. And sometimes even that won't save it. You can have the hottest chicks on the planet in there and it'd still be a sucky-ass movie. But my whole idea point behind all this is that don't blame men for going out for not watching this because you don't have very interesting actresses in it, okay? Even for the ones that are new and not unknown. Uh, no one knows anything about them, so it, you can't just say, okay, well, I'm going to go watch it because of that. No one's going to do that. If you want to bring out people of interest, then you need to, like, land, like, big names, okay? Especially for something like Toronto's Angels, you just got to do it. You can't go off the no-name shit and hope that it sticks. It won't, it won't do that. So, yeah, I just, it, it's mind-boggling why she would do, go that route with that. It's too bad, and it sucks. Like, it kind of, she kind of loses luster with me with that. Uh, hopefully she gets smarter about it going forward and uh, finds better scripts and better ways of doing her. You know, and, and that's the thing I didn't touch on either is the whole feminist agenda. Like she, that's the whole thing she was going with on this. And it's like you're trying to reach out to the male species, but you know, feminism in general turns people away already, both men and women. So if you're gonna go with that kind of agenda, then you're not gonna get very much support in that. You're just not. Like, no, one's, no one wants to go to a movie to be lectured about how bad men can be. Like, no one wants to see that. I know for myself, when I go to movies, I want to be entertained. 
and I want to be, I don't care if it's mind-dumbing at all, like, I can go see Godzilla, which I know has nothing to do with reality in general, and even if people want to draw, uh, links to, like, uh, environmental issues and all that, like, I don't even care about all that stuff, as long as it's not the primary focus, and I can go in it and just eat popcorn, drink my drink, and just be happy and what, what entertained. That's all I give a shit about. I don't care about your politics that you want to shove down everyone's throat. No one does. Leave that shit at the fucking door. If you're going to put it in your movie, let it be subtle and not let it be the driving force why you make a film. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. And it's funny because... I recently got the chance to watch Captain Marvel and all the hoopla about how it being a feminist movie and all that. There are feminist issues in it, obviously, but it was not near as bad as what people were making it out to be. Same thing happened with Black Panther. Yes, you have a, a majority of black uh, actors and actresses in that movie. But I, without all the media crap about it, I would go into that movie and enjoy it anyway because it was a superhero movie. And I don't care about the color. Like it, it seems like everyone else wants to make it about sex, sexism, and racism, and it, it doesn't need to be. It's just so retarded. I get it. You want more black directors. You want more black actors and actresses involved in these movies. Great. But don't make that your primary focus. Make a quality fucking film with quality fucking actors and actresses, and you'll be just fine. That's what it's all about. But if you're gonna make a a, a, a social point or a political point with your your films or your music and you're using it as your driving force you're just going to turn people away no one wants to be lectured to you can make your point without becoming preachy about it that's my whole thing with that so anyway just had to like rant about that a little bit because I just I can't believe that someone would blame men for not going to see a feminist movie it just kind of cracks me up in that sense uh, your movie bombed because it's just probably not very good. And the reviews that I've seen have said the same thing. It's just not very good. Now, to credit Banks here, like the last time I looked at Rotten Tomatoes, critics were killing it, but the audience seemed to give it like a 60%. So at that point, the audience still seems to enjoy whoever's out there. Maybe not as much as they want, but you know, at least they seem to be enjoying it a little bit. So you got that going for you, Miss Banks. All right. Time to kick it into the rock block. Good stuff coming in the way of Giant Sleeper, Blackwater Holy Light, The Flower Kings, Hollow Intent, Sonic Octane, I Built the Sky. Here we go with Giant Sleeper. Check it out.
Calvin Jambo from Carve Lives. You're listening to the Heart of Chaos only on Metal Tavern Radio.
this is Jessica from Factory of Dreams. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. DJ Nib is back with you on Metal Town Radio Podcast. New episode of Hordes of the Chaos. Alright. That was, uh, I built the sky to end the rock block there. So, uh, coming up yet, I got some Chain to the Dead ad. Also got some, uh, Acid Death as well as Funerous and Mortuary. Before we get back to the music, though, I want to talk a little bit about some music news. Uh, first things first. I just learned uh, yesterday that the bass player from Necromantia, Baron Blood, has passed away. Unfortunately, uh, it's so many deaths for a lot of uh, metal musicians this year. Um, probably happens every year, obviously, but it just seems like it's really hitting this year. A lot of big names I've seen pass off this year, so sad news there with that. Uh, also, uh, Dragged into sunlight, no longer with Prosthetic Records. Um, the band has announced that they have left. Uh, according to them, alleged lack of ethics and practices with the record label, so they are, I guess, looking for a new home with their label front. And uh, also, <clears throat> I think it was like a year or two ago, when Motley Crue finished up their tour and saying they were done and not going to do it. We see this all the time with like Kiss and all these other bands, Slayer, whatnot. They're like, yeah, it's the last tour, man. We're just, we're not, we're done. We're too old or whatever. But apparently now Motley Crue is ready to tour again. The last I saw, they were supposedly going to be touring with Def Leppard and Poison, which, you yeah, know, okay, whatever. But like, why bother announcing you're going to retire and be done only to come back out so you're going to tour again? I mean, I, I get it. You want the money and you get money for it, but look, I grew up on a lot of Motley Crue. I love those, like, first three or four records they had, but those prime days are long gone, man. <laughs> Not just with the writing, but just also the fucking... <laughs> I saw... I was lucky enough to see them in 89 or 90 for the Dr. Feelgood tour, and that was, you know, <laughs> they were still at the prime then, and they're prime there. So now, like, looking at some of the footage, I see some of these uh, YouTube vids of them playing live. I'm just like, they don't really have it anymore, man. Like, it's just a bunch of old guys getting up there and trying to do their best to, to recreate what the magic they had, you know, back in the heyday, but. At some point, I think you just got to kind of call it a day and quit dragging your carcass out there. Like, it's just... Try another way to make money, man. Just, you know, be... You've had your time. Sure, people probably go see them anyway, but man, it's just bad. Like, really bad. Uh, anyway. I uh, got some new stuff from Horror Pain, Gore Death... Uh, Mike Giuliano's label. Um, Chain to the Dead here. Good stuff. I haven't checked out the whole thing yet, but this is a track I was really in, liked. I liked a lot. So check it out. And we'll keep going.
Hello.
Hi, this is Isaac Goldsmith. Jonathan West from Exhortation. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. All right, DJ New is back with you on Metal Tavern Radio, the podcast. All right, so some more uh, news in the music. A couple articles I saw. Um, nothing super bad, but I, I think they also allow you to contemplate <clears throat> what both are saying. So, okay, so in one article, the article is about Prong and Tommy Victor. And he made a statement about how he felt in his eyes that Prong never had any fillers as far as on the records. Like, fillers and being songs that are just ho-hum and, you know, the, the albums are full of hits. That, that, that's, that's his opinion. Now, <clears throat> in defense of Tommy here, uh, you know, a couple of the early releases, you know, I, I can kind of see that. Um because I listen to those records and definitely um, there's no bad song on them I think the last one to really be like that is probably Cleansing and that was actually an album that he crossed over into the alternative rock area with so part of that album is like some of the metal that you are used to and the other part is like alternative rock but overall it was a really great record now since then outside maybe uh, a release from like two or three years ago. I can't remember off the top of my head because I don't. I have so much shit that I listen to. I can't remember everything. But most of Prong's catalog definitely has fillers. Like I don't know why he thinks that he's never written an album that doesn't have fillers because there is. Uh, especially after Falling Cleansing, there was like a couple records there that has like two or three tracks that I thought were really good, but the rest of them were kind of like garbage. And it's all subjective. I get it. You know, it's not like, you know, what I say means that's definitely how it is for other people or even Tommy himself, but I just kind of found it kind of funny that he felt like he never had any fillers on his record. Like, that's just not true. I don't know why you would even make that statement. Uh, not every album that an artist puts out is going to be that great, and I can find other artists that are the same way, uh, big names or not big names. And then I saw another article uh, we're going to get back to. I, I mentioned it a few episodes back with Life of Agony, you know, uh, Mina Caputo, uh, who was once known as Keith Caputo. And, you know, obviously the transgender uh, change of sex and all that. <clears throat> I thought it was a great thing that Mina felt that that's... She is who she is more than what she was, so... But the band kind of came out and they was, did an interview and they made a statement that they felt like, you know, whatever gets brought up about Mina, that it was sensationalism. But I'm wondering if it's not more just about awareness and celebration because I'm sure there's some media types that take advantage of it, trying to make it a big deal, bigger deal than it probably should be. But at the same time, it is kind of groundbreaking. I think that when we talk about women, you know, getting more noticed in metal as far as, you know, their roles as musicians and singers and whatnot, that we also have to take time to celebrate when individuals like Mina transform from a male to a female 
that it, it, it does get talked about. It doesn't have to be the the primary topic because at the end the music should still speak for itself and I thought that you know their latest album was pretty cool there were some good tracks on it and you know but you can't escape that band right now without noticing or mentioning that Mina once was a man that like that plays a part I uh, I know that women say it all the time when you're in the middle scene that, you know, it shouldn't be important to be like, you know, they, sh they don't like the fact that you say it's a female-fronted band, but it is still kind of a big deal. Even though it shouldn't be, it, it still is because it, I just, I see it more as a celebration and more as finally taking notice that, you know, because women have been in metal for quite a while, actually, and so... The fact that now that they're actually just being accepted and being more noticed and being taken more seriously is a big fucking deal. And I don't know, I kind of feel like that, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be one that's the biggest feminist or anything like that. Like, I do believe in equality and all that shit, but this is one of those cases where I think that women and transgenders in this case are kind of short selling themselves or selling themselves short because you know this is something that is a big deal it, it is making an impact and it has an influence on future women and transgenders on how they approach music they love regardless if it's metal or some other genre but it is a big deal and is it a bit sensationalist yeah probably but it has a purpose and at the end of the day if, as long as you're not a mockery and and as long as you're a talented enough individual all the other stuff the music and everything will overcome or overshadow the issue of you being either female or a transgender so I think that in this case Mina and company are kind of selling themselves short by thinking that you know they didn't say to their credit they didn't say every media or journalists have, have approached it that way, but I think in, in the grand scheme of things that they, this is something that should be taken notice of and talked about because it is a big deal. And I think it shows a right step for metal music in general, you know, how this kind of stuff impacts other stuff like, you know, the... In, uh, NSMBM, you know, black metal stuff and, you know, stuff that we are a little concerned more about now with the uh, white supremacists and Nazis and all that other shit, you know, how does all this stuff affect it going forward as far as metal? We talked about a few episodes ago where I thought that some of these bands that were more feminist driven have uh, been complaining about other metal bands that are still doing it the old school way, like as far as like you know, what they perceive as sexism or as an autistic uh, approaches, you know, whether it's like chainsaw women in half or whatever, like they felt like that, you know, some of those bands were not forward thinking. But the reality is, like, you should be able to do what you want to do in the end. I will always support individual artistic freedom over anything else. I don't care. I don't have to listen to it if I don't agree with it, and that's my personal choice. And that's the same thing with anyone else. But in this case, with this, I think it's a big enough deal that we can at least 
showcase it a little bit and say, look, this is a band that has a transgender singer and they're successful and that, you know, regardless of what happened, you know, with the, the sex change is that the band is still accepted by its fans and by the community, metal community in general. So to me, it's not really sensationalism. It's just more about awareness and, you know, if it starts becoming more of a thing down the road with other uh, musicians or singers that have the same kind of transgender or just females in general, uh, that's only a good thing, you know, in the end. So, all right, back to the music. Uh, this band is called Nibiru Ordeal, Gone with the Wind.
Victoria 5 from Victoria, BC. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Stay thrashing.
Alright, DJ Nibbles, back with you with the Hordes of Chaos on Metal Tavern Radio, the podcast. Getting ready to close this bitch out. Well, thanks for everyone tuning in. Once I get this up, you can download it or just stream it whenever you want you to do it. I want to thank my lovely wife, DJ Neko, for calling in when she did. It's good to hear from her and talk a little bit about entertainment news, getting her way to get into the show somehow, even while out on travel, so... Very appreciative of that. Uh, yeah, so I'll get this up in the next couple of days and then begin work on the next podcast. That's what I do. So, hope you enjoyed all the music. A lot of good stuff in there. Uh, and I got a lot of good stuff coming your way as usual. I try to get in there as much as I can. Got all these labels and artists sending me music every week. So, it's tough to get them all into the same episode. But uh, I try to work them in when I can. Alright, got one track left for you today. Obsidian Tide, King of the New Realm. Take it easy, folks. you 